The first of six road games this week. They start tonight against last place Washington. To go around Major League Baseball, we're now joined in the sports zone as we go out to the KDUS hotline. We're joined by Dan Simborski, a senior writer for Fangraphs. And Dan, good to have you on the show once again. Let's start with the Diamondbacks, 35-25. and 25 tie with the Dodgers atop the National League West. What's your evaluation of the Diamondbacks through uh, 60 games so far? Well, there's very little to complain about. I mean, sure, you can say certain young pictures, you'd like them to be a little ahead of where they are. But, you know, we're, we're nearing midseason, and they're tied for first place with the Dodgers. It's hard to complain about that. That's for sure. And uh, the, the organization extended Tory Lovello's contract last weekend Kind of seems to be a no-brainer, I think. Uh, what's your opinion? Is the prevailing opinion around Major League Baseball that he deserved a contract extension? I think he definitely deserved an extension. He's doing a very good job kind of integrating uh, kind of the legacy Diamondbacks players uh, with some of the talent that's coming up, uh, getting Gabriel Moreno in the lineup, getting Car- Corbin Carroll in the lineup. But he's doing a very good job juggling that. And uh, the team's playing for him, and, you know, no, very rarely do managers get in trouble for winning. <laughs> How much of the new rules have helped the Diamondbacks, who obviously are a very athletic team? I, I, I think it has helped a little bit, simply because uh, 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 pictures like Merrill Kelly allow more balls in the play, uh, and I think that the pace is a little beneficial for them. Uh, really, uh, it's 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 been great up and down the roster. Uh, I, I think they've been good even without changes in the new rules. I'm not really sure that was a, a huge plus for them, but they have taken advantage of that. Uh, and you do see, you know, more base stealing than you'd see in the past. I mean, 55 stolen bases in June is not what most teams do these days. But I, I think that aggressiveness has paid off. The Dodgers are also 35-25. and 25. How would you describe the Dodgers' season to date? I'm actually surprised that they are where they are considering some of their injuries. Uh, you look at their pitching staff with, you know, Urias is injured. Dustin May is, is injured again. Obviously, Walker Buehler is gone for the season. And they somehow keep patching things together. Uh, you look at some of the names of the team who are playing very well, and, and, and it's surprising at times. I mean, he's cooled down a lot, but they got a huge performance out of James Outman in April. They, they've gotten great performances out of Shelby Miller, which nobody really has in a long time. Uh, as I'm sure Diamondbacks fans can attest to. That, that, that would I, be true. <laughs> you, you can't uh, – I, I think that Dave Roberts has done a good job juggling the Dodgers because you look at their talent and they're missing just a lot of guys, and they still win. Uh, so it's it's impressive that they've been able to do that so well. Going around Major League Baseball, Dan Simborski of Fangraphs. All right, so what do the Dodgers need to add at the deadline? I still think they need to add another picture because Urias will be back, uh, but it's not really the rotation that is deep has been in past seasons. Once you get past Kershaw and Urias and, and, and Gonsolin, then all of a sudden it gets very weak down the stretch, and I think you do need to add another arm because I don't think Noah Syndergaard is, is doing it. He's already allowed 10 home runs. He's just not the picture he was pre-injury with the Mets. Uh, I, I, and the Dodgers are a team that they are willing to throw prospects uh, to another team if they can get someone who really adds to the roster. Uh, I I do think, though, that they're not going to run away with the division. I don't think that they really have it in there if you look at their roster. 
The Padres, 28 and 32, oh. <laughs> primarily because of bad offense. What's happened to that offense? Is there actually hope that it might improve? Well, the, the problem that the Padres have is there's no obvious fundamental flaw that they can just easily fix and play well. Uh, it, I mean, the, the players who are struggling, except for Juan Soto, who was really hot after a pretty, pretty lousy April, uh, you look at Machado and Bogarts and Cronenworth and, and even Tatis to an extent, these guys just aren't hitting and there's no real switch you can turn on. And the problem that the Padres are in is that even if you like the Padres roster and think they'll start to play like they should, they've already dug themselves a pretty good hole. They're below average. I mean, they're below 500 after 60 games. They're only two and a half games ahead of the Rockies. They're, they had to leapfrog, leapfrog three teams in the NL West now to win the division. And I, I, I just can't see them doing that, even if they do play better, which I expect. It's, it, it's definitely rough in San Diego right now. Uh, and someone's probably going to get fired at the end of the season. I don't know who yet, though. Are they out of prospects at this point if they want to add? Because they obviously you know, have dealt a lot of guys, not just the trade with the Nationals, but other trades in the last couple of years. Yeah, the cupboard looks very bare uh, when you talk about who they have to trade. Because a few years ago, they had one of the best farm systems in baseball, but they acquired you know, several pitchers. They acquired Darvish and Blake Snell and Mike Clevinger uh, and Josh Hader. They had to sent some really good prospects to the Nats to get Juan Soto because uh, he wasn't going to come for free. And that's really kind of depleted who they have to trade. Uh, they're a team that has a window that's starting to close because they're probably near the limits of where they're actually going to spend. I don't think they're going to challenge the Mets and, and spend $350 million next, next offseason. Uh, but there's also not a lot coming up from the minors, and Juan Soto is not extended past next season. Uh, it, it's got to be very disappointing for, for Padres fans because this is kind of where they should be at their peak, and they're not. And that's, it's, it's a frustrating thing to, to have to, to, to watch. You mentioned uh, the Mets. The Braves and the Mets begin a three-game series tonight in Atlanta. Let me, let me start with the Braves here. Uh, how long can they stay above water with their current ailing starting rotation? I think they have a decent chance to do that simply because I think Schuster will pitch better than he has so far. His command has been an issue. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm still hopeful that, that Soroka will turn it around a little bit after a little more time in the minors. I, I do think that if the Braves start to feel the heat from the Marlins, who are the, the closer team right now, I do think that they will make a trade uh, for short-term pitching because – Losing Max Fried and Kyle Wright is, is is a pretty big deal, and even if they have a cushion, they don't want to necessarily have to count on that because to get to the end of the season, if you don't have your pictures back, there's not much you can do at that point. You mentioned uh, you know Mike Soroka got resent, uh, got sent back to the minor leagues yesterday after just two starts, uh, the second of those here against the Diamondbacks over the weekend. Were you surprised they sent him back down? I wasn't. His command looked really off in, in, in both of his starts. Uh, and where the Braves are in the standings, they don't have a lot of time to, to let him work things out at the major league level. Uh, if they were, say, the Royals or, or the Nationals, they, they'd be in a better situation where they could do that. But when you're in first place and you're kind of feeling the heat from the, from the teams behind you, you don't have a lot of time to, a lot of rope you can give players. 
the Mets. They got swept at home last weekend by the Blue Jays. The Mets now 30-30. and 30. Is this just maybe a 500 team all season? I think they're better than 500, but a lot of it's going to depend on what they could get from their starting pitching. Uh, I mean, when it comes down to it, their roster is predicated on Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander pitching very, very well. And when it doesn't, kind of the dominoes fall apart, and then they're, they're, they have Senga, they have uh, McGill, who is kind of a fifth starter type. And then that rotation looks very, very weak when they're not getting what they expected from those one-two guys, which was always a risk because they are approaching 40, uh, and that, that is an age where pitchers really do start to drop off beyond just the normal injury risk. Uh, the offense has not been very good either. And I, I don't know if they're going to turn that around instantly. Uh, they probably need to upgrade a DH. They probably won't be able to at this point of the season. Uh, Starling Marte does not look like the player he was last year or the year before. I mean, he's he's going to be 35 by the end of the season. So I think they have problems, but I do expect them to be very aggressive at the trade deadline if they're still floating around 500. Going around Major League Baseball, Dan Zimborski of Fangraphs. Okay, let's uh, go to the AL West here. Uh, the defending champion Astros have now won 19 of their last 25 games. The Rangers are 39 and 20 with great offense throughout their lineup. Which team is the best in the uh, in the American League West? I think if you started the race from day one, the Astros have the better roster. But I think the Rangers, that three and a half game edge, is is pretty significant when you're talking more than a third of the season. They do have. You know, they got that lead in the foot race, and I don't think the offense is going to drop off that badly because they, they, they kind of have most of the roster healthy now. Uh, they have Simeon and Seeger kind of at their peaks, both having tremendous seasons. Uh, uh, Nate Lowe has been terrific. I, I, I think that they are pretty pleased that these, these big payoffs they made a few years ago before the team was ready to, to contend – uh, that are really working out for them. And when you add Josh Young, Jonah Heim, kind of having breakout offensive seasons, it's a very dangerous offense. And I'm a little surprised about this one uh, when you talk where they were even a year ago. Okay. Uh, not to sound like a dumb question here, but here's a dumb question. How much uh, has Bruce Bochy made a big difference here? I think that sometimes a, a, a team in his in, the, in that position where they're kind of struggling, underperforming. I think the veteran manager does tend to do a good job in that case. Uh, Bochi has experience uh, with, with teams like that in San Francisco. I, I, I think that he was probably the right manager for the job at this time. Uh, there are a lot of managers who I think are good for particular types of teams and not so good for other types. For example, I don't think uh, Bochi would be as good as the Royals manager simply because the the task of a team in the middle of a painful rebuild is different than the team than a team trying to go into win now mode which i think is what he is better better suited for okay so the first place rangers beat the last place cardinals last night which is most likely to happen the rangers finish first or the cardinals finish last i think that the Rangers winning first is is significantly more likely. Uh, the Cardinals, they do have some significant problems, especially when you look at their rotation. But I think by the end of the season, they'll probably be ahead of the Reds, maybe the Cubs. Uh, and 
I even though the the Pirates currently had that half game lead, it's still kind of a thin franchise that has had a lot of good fortune in their outfield offense this year. Uh, the Cardinals have probably dug themselves too deep a hole to be uh, serious division contenders, but I think though it'll look less less pathetic, let's just say, by the end of the year. <laughs> I like the way you phrase that. Okay, back to the Astros. Uh, they knocked out the struggling Alex Manoa in the first inning last night. What has happened to Manoa, who was a Cy Young finalist last season, and must the Jays send Manoa back to AAA? I, 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 I generally hate sending a player to AAA, but his command has just been all over the place this year. He's, he's going to, at the rate he is, he's going to have more walks allowed by the All-Star break than the entire uh, 2022 season. And the problem when, when you have a picture with a sudden change in walk rate or strikeout rate, when like someone hits 350 for a month, that, that batting average is a volatile number, and you have those kinds of kind of variations. But walk rate and strikeout rate changes good or bad to those numbers tend to become stable very quickly. So the fact that he is walking so many guys uh, even more than the home runs allowed is is a huge problem uh, because very few pitchers are going to be successful walking six or seven batters a game. Uh, especially today, because batters will take walks. It's not 1965. That would be true. <laughs> I'm aware of that every day. It's not 1965 <laughs> anymore. All right, uh, the trade deadline, less than, yeah, at the end of next month. Is it tougher to be a GM because of the? Uh, looks like there's more buyers and sellers here? And uh, is it more difficult judging minor league talent because they have a different ball in some leagues and different rules in other leagues? Yeah, uh, the, the, uh, the, 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 the tacky ball uh, with the additional grip has really made offense kind of weird in double-A. Uh, you, you look at, at where they've been using the ball, and offense is super down. So there's that risk of underrating offensive prospects and overrating pitching ones, which you do have to take into consideration. Uh, but I think GMs are kind of used to this because there have been a lot of questions about ball variation at the majors and minors uh, the last right. few years. Uh, so, so there's certainly a risk. I would much rather be a seller than a buyer this year because there really aren't that many teams that I would call, you know, super teams. Uh, the Rays have been terrific, uh, but most of the rest of the league is, you know, good. There's a lot of teams that are in that 550 winning percentage range. You're going to have a huge number of teams between, say, 87 and 95 wins. Uh, and there are comparatively few teams that are completely hopeless. I'd probably only put maybe four teams as really, really unlikely to make the playoffs in that in the Nats, the Royals, the A's, and the Rockies. And other than that, I think pretty much every other team has a scenario to make the playoffs. And in that situation, you'd rather be one of the four sellers than the 26 buyers. Yeah, no doubt about that. Okay, so we're like two months into the new rules, a little more than two months into the new rules. What do you like and what do you maybe want to see modified? I, I do like the pace of play adjustments. Uh, I, I tend to be, you know, historically a little bit old school and, and fuddy-duddy about changes because I hate changing something I love to something different. But I, I, I've grown to like the pitch clock. I like that there's a little time pressure in baseball, uh, kind of like there is in other sports. And I do think it has helped kind of the perception of the, of the pace of, of the speed of these games. I mean, knocking off a half hour is a pretty big deal in and of itself. And 
it's not knocking off time of actual baseball things happening. It's, it's, it's kind of eliminated a lot of dead time where not a lot happens. Uh, yeah, it's, you kind of miss sometimes the real high tension moments of a pitcher's duel in, a, in you know, game seven of the World Series. But most games are not like that. And nobody wants to watch a, a five-hour Royals-A's game in June of 2023. So I, I, I think those have been helpful. I think that encouraging more balls into play with the larger bases, encouraging more base stealing, I think, adds a new dynamic to offense, which has become kind of one note around baseball simply because teams have kind of maximized like the ideal way to score runs in the modern game. Uh, so I like to see that variety. I still hate the extra innings runner rule. That still drives me nuts. Ooh. And we got – we, we cut off – We're going to argue about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's okay. Not everyone has to agree with me, and many people don't. Uh, but I, I kind of feel that since we got some time back, we can have those extra inning games. Okay. Yeah. I just, you know, <laughs> roster, if the game goes 17 innings and you have a whole different pitching staff the next day is uh, rough for you know, general managers and managers and pitchers for that matter. All right. Uh, but real quick, I, you watch, I've watched quite a bit of college baseball here the last two or three weeks after hardly watching any during this uh, earlier in the season. And I didn't, you know, I got so used to the new rules in Major League Baseball, I didn't realize the the pace of play was that much different. But watch a couple college games and you kind of go, whoa, is this inning ever going to end? <laughs> yeah, it, there's there's a lot of times where, where batters are just kind of standing around, adjusting themselves, pitchers are wiping off sweat, slowly staring. Uh, and you don't really realize it when you watch a lot of baseball because, you know, you get used to it over the years. It never really bothered me all that much. Uh, but I have a very close friend, and she doesn't really like baseball. And I remember once she was at an extra inning game, uh, and she was with her sisters, and it was in the 13th inning, and she's texting me about how bored she is and how nothing's happening and everyone's standing around. And it's like, well, there's probably more fans like that than like me who watches an absurd amount of baseball uh, every day for the last 25 years. Uh, so, I mean, attendance is up a little bit. It's hard to say exactly how much to attribute yeah. that to faster games, but I, I think it's a more dynamic product when things are happening. Yeah, I agree with you. And obviously your friend is on my side for the extra inning rules. Okay, yeah, Dan, is. I'm going to... I'm going to end it there. <laughs> end on a good note for me. All right, Dan, we appreciate it. We'll do it again. Thank you very much. Thanks, as always, for having me on. My pleasure. Dan Zaborski of uh, Fangraphs. Excellent stuff with Dan.